Hello, everyone, and welcome to Plastic Possibilities, a podcast produced by Plastics Today. I'm Norbert Sparrow, editor of Plastics Today, and our guest today is Tom Salmon, CEO of Berry Global, one of the world's largest plastic packaging companies with almost 300 locations, some 48,000 employees, and sales reaching nearly $13 billion. Tom has been with the company since 2007 and was named CEO in 2017. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Great to be here, Norbert. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for, for, for participating. Um, so let's begin. Uh, I think just last week you had your Q2, Q2 earnings call and had some good news to announce. Um, notably, uh, Barry Global has beat earnings expectations for six consecutive quarters now. So uh, tell me if I'm right about that. And if I am, uh, what's the secret behind your success? And um, maybe a follow up on um, if the pandemic has played any role in this. Well, yes, you are indeed uh, correct. We're uh, we're really pleased with the results for our for our March quarter, uh, recently announced. But you know, I think it, it's it starts some time ago. You know, um, in our business, as you mentioned, we're blessed to have forty eight thousand employees. We've got two hundred ninety five plants around the world. Um, and you know, as you said, I became CEO in twenty seventeen. Shortly thereafter, you know, we made a very conscious effort. Uh, to begin, you know, targeted investments around Vantage products and targeted markets, you know, partnering closely with our end customers um, on growth investments. And frankly, um, those investments uh, paid huge dividends uh, organically you know, for the company here during the pandemic. And as we exit the pandemic, um, in terms of uh, providing the organic growth that sustained the results uh, in the uh, in our second fiscal quarter. So very proud of how the team operated. You know, our organic volumes increased 5% in the quarter. We were able to raise our full year EBITDA outlook um, by $50, $50 million uh, to the high end of our, our previously communicated range. Our EPS grew 36%. And, and frankly, we've got very strong confidence in our organic growth trends going forward, all driven you know, by this, this targeted investment um, in, in the company's growth and uh, couldn't be more pleased with, uh, with the results. Yes, and, and indeed, they are impressive. Um, so um, you mentioned partnering with your end uh, market customers. Can you tell us uh, which sectors or end markets you're, uh, where you're seeing the strongest growth and do any particular geographies stand out? Yeah, we have been really steadfast in, in four primary categories. Um, and, and around these, we've invested since 2018, my goodness, probably over 600 plus million dollars. Um, and we believe these are megatrends, that being health and wellness, and high, you know, in terms of hygiene and um, uh, disease prevention. Um, we have been focused on e-commerce. Uh, we have been focused on food safety. And we've been focused you know, also on, on sustainability leadership, you know, as well as giving ourselves access to the faster growing regions of the world and the geographies of the world. And, and we have made notable improvement in terms of our presence in those emergence economy where you can typically see growth rates, you know, 2x what you may see or more um, in other developed you know, regions of the world. And um, this has been really benefited by the fact that, you know, over our history as a company, we've done good as close to 50 acquisitions and you know this this global um deployment of capex you know tied to specific customers tied to these growth markets um and and our ability to serve those customers locally 
has proved to be an exceptional advantage for us in terms of serving our customers um, and, and keeping our customers in you know, steady supply of products through what for many others had been you know, a really difficult um, supply chain you know, environment. And, and we were fortunate to have you know, what we call local value delivery capability uh, to meet those needs with separate supply chains in each of the geographies we serve and local teams of expertise to, to deliver those, uh, you know, those products locally. So um, uh, it, was, it was very, we're very fortunate to, again, as we described, it had that local value delivery capability uh, to deliver the, the, the results that we've been able to you know, put, put on paper. Right. When you say local, you you have what is it? Two hundred and eighty locations, right? Uh, Two hundred ninety-five sites, um, okay. business in six plus continents around the world, um, and each of those facilities and each of those geographies, we serve you know with local expertise, local management, local supply chain, um, local customer service, um, and you know we're not an export. Uh, oriented company. We we serve local markets based on the needs of those markets. And traditionally, and what we've seen is most of our global customers, you know, similarly have opportunities to expand, you know, throughout the world. So Barry having, you know, the, the footprint that we do around the globe allows them to do business with a trusted, reliable source um, that they've done business with before. And we can simply, you know, parlay that know-how and expertise um, that they've grown used to in many instances in the United States to regions like um, like China, Southeast Asia, South America, and throughout Eastern and Western Europe. Great. Okay. Well, uh, on a larger um, uh, scale, let's say, um, wh- where do you see the opportunities for technological innovation in the packaging space? You know, I'm a I'm an old soul in uh, in the plastics industry. I've been around it for goodness about 35 years now, and you know, I, I always give people the, um, the, the explanation and have them think about something and I'll ask you to do the same. And it's, you know, when you consider, you know, plastics and you contrast plastics to other substrates that could be metal, metal, that could be glass, it could be uh, paper. When you think of the amount of innovation that's occurred inside the plastics industry in the last 70 years, you know, the opportunities are simply, they're, they're limitless based on the design functionality and the flexibility it gives one, uh, given the attributes and material science uh, surrounding, you know, uh, polymer chemistry. And, you know, as a result, um, you know, we continue to work with so many of our customers um, because they all have both growth objectives and sustainability objectives. And plastics gives them a unique ability you know, given its carbon footprint, given its ability ultimately to uh, be uh, produced with less energy, less water consumption, less solid waste, it becomes an indispensable part of, of their goals and the world's you know, objectives that have been outlined in the Paris Accord to have a net zero economy in terms of emissions. And we're excited about that. So the innovations are happening around uh, lightweighting, around creating more opportunities for reuse or recycler, compostability. Um, they are, they're ultimately focused on circularity. How can we create second, third lives of this amazingly precious raw material? Um, and, and at the same time, give them the, the, the benefits from a features perspective that plastics gives that, that frankly can't be replaced by many other materials. So, um, it's, it's, it's very exciting for us right now. And this is an area uh, of innovation that we continue to invest uh, in and around, and, and we expect it to be an area that will provide not only uh, technological innovation, but but significant organic growth opportunities for our company. And um, 
you know, we've uh, we've recently announced a, a couple very uh, large investments. One, uh, we've increased you know our capacity uh, for what's called post-consumer recycled materials uh, through our Plasgram location in the United Kingdom, um, and we've also entered into offtake agreements on advanced or molecular recycled materials. And combined, um, we'll be able to have access to over 600 million pounds of those materials to allow two things to happen. One help continue to educate our end users, two, help them meet their sustainability goals and objectives, and three, give them the unique value attributes of these materials in commercial products, you know, that we've been very fortunate to, uh, to commercialize very recently. Right. Now, um, you're, you're preaching to the choir, you, <laughs> to the choir, you realize that here when you talk about plastic. <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, and I was going to ask you about, you know, uh, as a sub major supplier of plastic packaging, I'm sure Barry Global is in the line of fire from NGOs and activists who are pushing for a plastics-free future. It's well, your your commitment to circularity is well known. Um, and um, and uh, on that note, um, you recently announced an agreement with Borealis to buy its circular polyolefins to manufacture food packaging. Right. Some now some do question the feasibility of chemical recycling or molecular molecular recycling or advanced recycling. It has a number of names, um, but um, to produce those resins at industrial scale, uh, some have said it's a form of greenwashing. What do you say to that? Um, I think it's 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 hogwash. You know, Barry has has been amazingly proactive in making certain that we could get access to these materials uh, to get our end users comfortable with them uh, in terms of the the feature benefits, the value attributes around around this innovation. Um, as such, we've introduced uh, these advanced recycling substrates and applications such as Mondelez's Philadelphia cream cheese, Swiss Miss's. Um, premium cocoa packaging, um, you know, to, to name just just a couple of those. And, you know, frankly, I have never in my 35 years in this business seen the level of alignment inside the industry from, you know, our resin partners in terms of the innovation uh, and scaling of this technology know-how. And, you know, it's interesting. Barry has uh, has invested in, you know, ISCC certification. So international sustainability carbon certification. And it's, it's all about, you know, a certification system, um, that covers the entire, entire supply chain. And it really helps keep people in check in terms of all forms of bio-based feedstocks, renewable feedstocks and such. So, um, we're taking, we're taking the steps necessary to audit ourselves and to be able to demonstrate um, that this is a true circular solution. And, and in my view, this is the single most significant development uh, that can help seriously address plastic waste that, I'm, that I've seen being worked on. And um, uh, can't be more excited about it, can't be more excited about the success that we've had launching products that are now commercial in the marketplace with this technology. And we're going to continue to stand behind it to educate our customers and to focus on, again, given the opportunity to create multiple lives, you know, for our valuable natural resources. And um, I hope you get a sense. I am I am very excited about this and what this means, you know, to help the world meet, you know, its global objectives around net zero. It's uh, it's quite exciting. Yep, it sure is. And uh, quite a challenge at 
that. But speaking of which, I want to tap into your plastics expertise um, and ask you uh, just uh, last two questions. Uh, first of which is what do you see as the greatest challenge for the plastics industry writ large in the years ahead? You know, I'll, I'll say this is two things. It's going to be um, continued pace of education. Um, and secondly, I believe the demand for some of these technologies initially uh, will out, outpace supply. And while that initially seems like a problem, um, it ultimately will stimulate investment to help monetize these opportunities around infrastructure um, and the necessary innovation to ultimately scale many of these technologies that much faster. And we feel as a leader in the business, we have to demonstrate uh, and educate uh, the feasibility of these technologies across the board, whether that's uh, mechanical recycling, like we talked about, the molecular recycling, whether it's bio-based materials, um, whatever the case may be. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all, but I do believe that in the very near term, you're going to see where um, the interest in these materials may outpace uh, the capacity to supply them. And um, that's a high quality problem because when a problem is monetized, it gets solved very, very quickly. And I think this is one of those where it's going to happen. And as a result, I think that the prospects, frankly, for our industry and this growing substrate continue to be very, very bright. And I think, you know, what we're hearing from our end users is that they're realizing that plastics is an indispensable part uh, of their of their story well into the future for them to meet you know, their, their publicly stated sustainability goals and objectives. And frankly, it's going to help the world meet its objective as well. So, you know, very bullish on the outlook and, uh, and we're investing behind it. So it's not just talk. We're actually investing hard dollars against these technologies because we believe in them and we believe it can ultimately uh, address the problems we're trying to solve. Okay, and, and final question, Tom, uh, and it actually, uh, you've sort of answered it, I guess, but uh, what do you see as the plastics industry's biggest opportunities going forward? It continues to be uh, growth and education. You know, I think the continued education, I, the, the, the pandemic, and, you know, it's interesting, I, as, as a board, each year, you know, we, we, we take a look at what the risk analysis may be for the company based on each each board member's view. And, you know, it was interesting before the pandemic, the two lower ranked issues that ultimately we saw out there, you know, were, uh, were, were civil unrest and global pandemic. They both occurred. And, you know, the level of agility that has been demonstrated, you know, during these, these, uh, this, this, these unprecedented periods, you know, around a, a global pandemic and our ability to supply necessary solutions to keep people safe each and every day, has caused people to rethink, you know, the indispensable nature of plastics in terms of how it's made people's lives better each and every day. And I am personally convinced that, you know, our end users continue to believe and they're seeing the value. And as we use these technologies and these innovations to help address these problems and concerns around plastic waste, I think the attributes of the products and its ability to be ultimately continue to be reinvented are, are as exciting as any substrate on the planet. And if you think about the nature of change that plastics has enabled over the last 70 years, I'm really excited to see what it's going to provide in the next 70 years. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, thank you for being such a great advocate for the plastics industry, Tom. That's, uh, that's terrific. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights. Thanks, Robert. Thanks so much. Have a great day.
Thank you, you too. So I uh, also want to extend a thank you to our audience for listening and remind them that you can engage with us at our website, plasticstoday.com, and that's plastics today is all one word. That's it for this edition of Plastic Possibilities. Goodbye for now. 